Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Omen Edition. Today we're talking Omen 3, The Final Conflict. My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, you know him, you love him. He's trying to drown my arguments today. His name's Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello to everybody, Tom. Amazing what they can make with soybeans these days. <laughs> That's right, we're back in Britain. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and those two those two incredibly British people at the reception are the final nail in that coffin. Right. <laughs> Here we are. I guess that's a looping back, right? Because most of the omen takes place in London. Yeah, right. So it's a a conscious return. Is that a? Is that that's interesting? Is that an impasse? The it's a trilogy impasse. That's what I mean. Yeah, (laughs) like returning to a. It's a trim bass. (laughs) I well, I that sounds dirty. I'm yeah, I'm always pushing this line that the, the the third movie in a trilogy inevitably loops back. Loops to the back, original. right? It's very common. I'm sure there are exceptions, but I think it's the rule. Hmm. Definitely, I you know when we did Return of the Jedi, I, that was yeah, a sure. perfect example of that. Back to the Future Part Three, to some extent. Yeah, with the one with the one. What? Right. With the one story. Yeah. As opposed to the two parts in two different timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are other examples. Write in and give us other examples. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, or prove, or prove Tom wrong as well. You can take it how oh, you we're, want to. We're all for that. Well, you're all for that. <laughs> Well, we're uh, talking Omen 3, The Final Conflict, a 1981 film directed by Graham Baker. The only thing I really could find that I really recognized from Graham Baker was Alien Nation. Okay, the the film, not the TV series. The film, yeah. Okay. The Mandy Uh... Patinkin and... James Conn vehicle. Oh, I I know the film. Yeah, I would yeah. just try. Does I know that there's a there's a there's a film and then there's a a TV series with a pilot. Yeah. That is a film. So I just wanted to clarify. Um, I get yeah, it. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't see. I'm looking at his uh, repertoire now. I don't see anything. A lot of. A lot of television. A lot, a lot of, of television. Stuff. I remember. Yeah. A lot of British television. Well, this particular movie, like we said, it's a 1981 film, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, a budget of $5,000,000, opening weekend 5.5, in the USA and the world 20.4. So both critically and monetarily, we're kind of talking about the law of diminishing returns. 
And yeah. yet, because for all of these movies, they keep the budget so bare thin. I mean, granted, it's early, 78 and 81. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they're making a, a little scratch. Well, that's another um, another crossover with Planet of the Apes, isn't it? They 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 keep lowering the budget each time. Mm-hmm. So the movie can make a profit yeah. more easily. But it, it you know... It it uh, hamstrings the filmmakers as well. Well, of course, and especially with an Omen film, you you know you, based on the first two, you want it to look good, and expensive because yeah. that's part of the brand. And the fact that the the budget is being cut severely and that some of that shows on screen, is a right is a problem. It does, yeah, it is a problem. I mean. It's, I mean, twenty six percent. That's nonsense. Yeah. If I if it was the forty six percent of the last film, I I I would agree with that range. Sure. I think this is like forties fifties for me. Yeah, I, I yeah I think I'd agree with you. I anything might go up to anything up I, to fifty nine. I I I'll put my name to. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna I was I was gonna top out at fifty five. It's it has its moments that I I'm look we know I have again, a lot of affection for this movie I yeah, don't like I don't I really don't know why but yeah, I you do. have you like it more than I do yeah um but I but I like I like elements of this movie very much and then mm-hmm. a lot of it I can take or leave okay mainly Sam Neill. You don't like them? No, no. I mean, the the usually when I'm enjoying this film, it's something to do with Sam. Sam oh, okay. Well, I, I thought you said some of this I can take or leave. And no, everything. Said... No, I mean, yeah, no, right. no, not at all, not at all. I think I'm a I'm a big proponent of of Sam Neill's performance. I think, film. and you know, I think I remember reading that he really doesn't like his performance in this movie, which kind of baffles me because I like you. I think it's the main thing that draws me to this movie more than anything. Yeah. I I really like his performance and I love sort of the commitment to it. Yeah. You know? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The fact that it's it's <laughs> the fact Sorry. that it's clear it's clearly Damien and yet yeah. It's you know a a a an adult Damien. An an adult Damien, right? And Neil carry you know carries all of that in his performance. I agree, but it's also just an you know it's just an in, it's just a good Sam Neil performance as well. I can't uh, I can't I can't say anything against that. I agree certain completely. Actors, I think about it the other way. Certain actors wouldn't give you that. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you, if 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 it wasn't so, if it wasn't someone as reliable as Sam Neil. In the hot seat, I think this movie would struggle far more okay. on the Damien front. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Other uh, than at the beginning of this movie. Do you have anything to say hey, before we let's, get started? Let's do, let's do what the movies do. Let's follow those knives. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> the, trilogy is fo- the trilogy is following the legacy object rather than the legacy characters. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, the, the now this be- whole thing with the knives is over credits, isn't it? Yeah, this is the the title sequence is is a montage of uh, of a path we've got we've got a like a giant driller who's <laughs> I wrote down a giant driller's unearthing stab shit in Chicago. Yeah, I think this is a great way to fill in the gaps between mm-hmm. the second and third films. So. Absolutely, because you you're doing it entirely with visuals. And you know you've got a focal point, which is the 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 knives being removed from the earth, um, the re- recovered from the earth. So I think it's I think it's uh, it's a good way of cutting down on shoe leather as well, mm-hmm. because then if you didn't do this, you'd have to have a scene where you'd explain how the knives got back into someone's hands. Right. But this does all that work for you. Yeah. Without having to say a word. Mm-hmm. So they've saved themselves massively. They find their way into the pawn shop auction. Or from pawn shop to auction. My only question is, does God control this chain of dagger ownership? (laughs) (laughs) Because it seems like everyone everyone in this chain is acting independently. But it all walks towards the same goal, which is that they end up at the monastery. Yeah, right. They got to get back to the priests. Is God kind of, you know, sort of engineering the timeline of this a little bit <laughs> that's the flavor i got um yeah i got i i thought the same thing i i have that same note uh it's kind of like the diamonds in diamonds are forever oh tom i mean we're not, we're not even 10 minutes in <laughs> that's what it, tell me well you you've barely seen that film as well uh, yeah that's what it mostly reminded me of. that's also done with montage that that when the the supply chain of the diamonds i think i've it. only seen diamonds are forever once or twice twice maybe it's done in exactly the same way mm-hmm. 10 years before this so i think probably the influence <laughs> less racism in this though way less way less <laughs> and then you're going to have to remind me of this because I haven't seen The Omen in years. Mm-hmm. We've met these monks before, right? Yes. And we've been in this monastery. Or at least we've heard about this monastery. Yeah, because he travels. He goes... Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So that's another That's another example of looping back. Sure, to the right. Because they weren't... We didn't see them in the second film. But I I have to tell you, during the whole credit sequence and then getting these knives back into the hands of the monks, I was so delighted that this movie, you know, more than a decade out, or not more than a decade out, uh, sorry, the next movie is a decade from this movie, but, uh, you know, a good half a decade after the first movie, and this is what this, like, this movie chooses again we talked about it last time the through line yeah it, it really did delight me that that this movie because i don't know when you're jumping so far ahead for the characters it would be so easy to just do something else completely and like forget about almost the last two movies it's it's about double the amount of time between the first and the second film in the, right in the, well in, for the characters in, in worlds yeah yeah because Damien's 32. Yeah, right. And when we left him, what was he, 17? 18? I think so. He might have even been <laughs> 15 or 16, no? 
I mean, this should have the this the the London of this film should have looked like the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> as far as they knew in '81, right? The, the future at that point, we still thought the future was going to advance a lot quicker until you know Reagan and until things happened. Yeah, and, until you know everyone decided that science wasn't such a big deal, right? And we'd rather just make money off people's poverty. Anyway. And of course, the rich people will give. It'll trickle down. Don't worry That's about right. it. That's right. Yeah, clearly. One way or another. One way or another, it'll trickle down. You know what trickle down brings to mind? Pissing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> I'd love to take your history class. Yeah. <laughs> Re- <laughs> this week we're talking about Reaganomics. Now, everyone to the urinal. <laughs> I wonder. We're taking a field trip to a public toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get. I want you to remember the visual. Yeah, it's not a digression because the first, the first thing that happens in this film proper. Yeah. Is that Damien links the Great Recession to Armageddon. Mm-hmm. So basically, they've the first thing they do is they marry biblical prophecies of the apocalypse to Reagan's America. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and they are natural bedfellows. <laughs> well, and we still have our crops idea. I, I actually, my note is we're still talking about crops, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to give the film credit for right? not uh, not abandoning that. Uh, this that movie subplot. picks up every thread it possibly can. I respect that. I mean, this is what um, you know. If if Lucas had his way and no one edited his scripts, this is oh, what no. his, you know. You know what I mean? Like his films yeah. would be like all about space farming. Right. So exactly. Lucas is probably jealous about how much they get to talk about crops in these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, like the because you know we're straight in with a new Damien, right? And, and he is now in like, charge. He is now in charge of Thorn Industries. In charge of Thorn Industries, and he's got a direct line to the president. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't do much narratively or in terms of content to make you identify with Damon. But Sam Neill is doing all that all that work by himself. So, because as I understand he's a, it... Because he's a yeah. charismatic actor. Right. He looks assured. And the first thing we see him do is give good artistic notes on, right. a, <laughs> on, a, on a film that's been made mm-hmm. about the company. And I'm just like, I'm in. I'm yeah, with Damien. Yeah, right, exactly. I'm on I'm yeah. with Damien. <laughs> as a t-shirt. But the well, film's I'm... not doing that. That's just Sam Neill. Yes, and so that's one of the things that I uh, that I really gravitate towards in this movie because even the film's director Graham Baker, you know, it's shortly after this, after we kind of get reintroduced to Damien, that we're going to have a scene with the British ambassador, Mm -hmm. and this is really the only true moment of horror in the movie. And I think this... the rest of the movie relies on the acting that Sam Neill is doing for any kind of bit of uneasiness we feel. 
Well, you've forgotten about the papier-mâché baby. That's true. I have. But you're... <laughs> but you're right, isn't it? Like a, It's like a gun on a string kind of yeah. moment. So... A la Robocop 3. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or is it yeah. Robocop 2? Which which one has... I think is it Robocop 2 that has the gun on the string. I can't remember. Uh, anyway. You might be right. It might be 2. It's uh, very easy to confuse Robocop movies. But you're right. You know, this is not... this. Uh, this there's not much in the way of scares in this film. It goes yeah. down a different... It goes down a different road. It does. But to me, that's another plus. That's another tick in the plus column that it it does something differently for a horror movie. Yeah. Now that could rub, but I get that that could rub some people the wrong way. I mean, yeah, it's true that you're probably going to the Omen wanting your kind of your showstopper body horror moments, and you don't get them in this film. But 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 you get one really big good one, which is what. The ambassador shooting himself. That's jarring. They show it just straight on him blowing his own head off. I don't off. know. I think the cheapness is set in even by that point. I was starting that 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 worried me for the rest of the film. Really? Yeah. Oh, not no, me. I wasn't, a, okay. I wasn't a big. I was and and as you know, I I suppose the fact that that's that's again like a remake, you know, of the original that they just have to get to the point where he can be the british ambassador so Mm -hmm. he can be gregory peck but you also get this sense of damien's powers because damien damien is in the usa and this guy's in england so yeah whatever damien's got going on he can throw it pretty far now it's not just a kid in the classroom in the in the class hallway oh he has a global reach yeah exactly as does Um, his company yeah and you know this is in the reveal of Damien is our first of many silhouettes. Mm-hmm. This 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 director loves silhouettes. Yeah. Um, as the movie goes on, and then we go straight into the Bible. He picks up a Bible and starts reading from reading from the Book of Revelation. I'm just like I'm just like okay. So all that subtlety from the last film about the Bible is out of the window now. We're just we're right. going we're we're just picking up the book and reading directly from it. But before we get there, <laughs> I just want to say about that ambassador scene to me. It kind of kept surprising me because as he's walking through the park, there's the dog and you think something's going to happen with that dog and it doesn't yeah. happen. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And he's walking up, you know, he's he's getting to his office. He goes into the bathroom. He looks in the mirror. There's that cool shot in the mirror. And, you you, you know, you think something terrible is going to happen in the bathroom and it doesn't. And then the next thing you know... I guess the thing that I really yeah, like about suspense. it too, right. there's good that's suspense good. built into it, and then it's not as though he's uh, just putting a gun into his mouth and pulling the trigger himself. People are going to walk in, and they're walking in with the string attached. Is what's going to mm-hmm. blow his brains out, and he's going to do it right in front of them. I really yeah. liked. I thought it was great. Okay. I mean, I think it's fine. All yeah. right. No, no, no! It's 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 good, and I like how you described it. You're right. It is probably a high point. Right. Let's um, say that last part again. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like you said, then we're we're back to Damien, and he's got the Bible, and he's mm-hmm. talking all things Bible and, at the moment. And his um his number two. Yeah. 
they they forget to write the lines of dialogue which tell us that he's one of his followers. You just have to infer it. Yeah. By the fact that he's just saying out loud that he's the Antichrist, and this guy doesn't seem to react. Right. And I, I was like, it's like, either this guy is already on board, or Damien's being very sloppy about spoiling his evil plans. Well, and I think one of the things that I do think that this movie suffers from a little bit is that a lot of these people look as though they're supposed to be the same character, not a surrogate, but the same character from the last film. But they're not, right? Yes. No, so, no, this guy's this guy's brand new. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, we just we just need. I don't. I don't know. Is it? I feel like another circumstances. I've argued that it's fine not to spell it out. Here, I feel like you'd need spelling out. Who's who knows? I, I, who's, I admit who knows, that I I wanted a little bit more. Yeah, who knows? Damien's the Antichrist, and right. and. What are the, what are their affiliations? And it feels like you could handle that in like a line and a half of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's go. It, I don't think it's asking too much of the screenplay to be doing that. Okay. Um. And, uh, well, there's many ways that you can tell you're back in Britain. Having uh, do you know Ruby Wax? The the woman who plays the receptionist. She's an American comedian. Oh. No. But she's based in Britain. Okay. So you've got... <laughs> one of the ways in which you can tell that this is an American film made in Britain is all the American actors who live in Britain are in the film. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Um, and It's very the nice to is, see Mason Adams. Yeah. He goes... And then uh, Damien goes to the White House. Yeah. In a scene that will never date, where <laughs> he and the president are just casually conversing about classified conversations that the president's right. just had on the hotline. As we and all like, know, this yeah, is a topic it, we're talking about today. Exactly. And in the post-Trump era, we know that cl- classified means nothing. <laughs> right. Just take People that just grab classified documents <laughs> right. and take them home. They're and... like party favors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a file full of these. This I got a file full of these reports on on assassinating Putin. Um, uh, welcome to the State of the Union. Here's your classified document. <laughs> Put it anywhere. But I mean, I've already I've I've already mentioned Bond, but I have to mention it that <laughs> when when Neil is in the Oval Office talking uh-huh. to the president, all I could think about was how great of James Bond he would have been. Yeah, right? Like, this feels like like his... almost like a screen test of his first scene with M. <laughs> That's great. And you look at you look at it and go, oh, this would have worked. He would Was have he ever... Boom. Yeah, he auditioned. Did the he? screen test. Oh, wow. They did... The, so he did the From Russia With Love screen test, which is what they make all the Bonds do, at least up until Pierce Brosnan. They, the, the scene of uh, Bond with Tatiana... When he mm-hmm. finds her in his bed, okay, they make them That's screen test with that scene, and that apparently tells them whether they'll be a good Bond or not. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's great; he's absolutely great. He was 
he did it uh, at the request of his agent. He didn't want to do it, and he pro- and he said he wouldn't have accepted it if they'd offered him to. But interesting. I think he would have made a fantastic Bond. All right. Based on the screen test and based on this scene. <laughs> <laughs> I like I I kind of I really like this is, you know, good. I kind of like the horse trading going on in that scene. I like the horse trading. I like. Yeah, it it, it totally makes sense in terms of what we've seen. It's good progression of the story. Because you you also as the audience member, you know, kind of. Maybe not his end game, but you understand where where what what Damien's doing and why he's doing it. Well, also enough time has passed that you buy that he's in control of White House policy by this point. Sure, right. They've developed his power gradually enough over the course of the films that you can buy you can buy into it in a way you wouldn't if this was like if this was Well, and I think it's smart to have later. Yeah, I think it's smart to have this scene to serve that purpose as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And to again, me, that's, that's some that's <laughs> maybe we I, have I mean, an I think it's good time, screenwriting. Maybe we have an easier time accepting it, you know, post Trump where You've literally put anyone in any government position. Right, but sure. Pre-Trump, I think I still buy it. Mm-hmm. Because of what we've seen so far about how closely tied in he is to the halls of power in yeah. America. Uh, but it's also, to me, it's also interesting to watch him and his savviness with who the person who's supposed to be the most powerful per- person in the world. Yeah, he's definitely... And it feels like he's getting over on him. Yeah, he's like his Yago or his kind of... Yeah, right. His Blackadder is sort of like the man behind the... The man behind the man. Mm Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a great scene. Uh, Next, I have the the observatory calling the church. The first thing they do after they find a... (laughs) They find something of... um, astronomical significance is that get on the line to to this right. monastery. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Again, the omen in the omen verse there's no contradiction between faith and science. They no. work together. Yeah. Uh but they really cements it there as if an observatory would be like, oh, look at that star. Look at that star formation. We gotta contact the church. <laughs> They're busy it's with like, their didn't knives. Galileo sort of <laughs> kind of figure this out that we should do the church are not helpful in these matters that's great and this is you know where we meet the deity dozen yeah as i've as i've termed i like it it's pretty good huh yeah now you like this film Mm-hmm. what's the plan here <laughs> well it feels like each priest gets a knife <laughs> Right, right. And we have redundancies. <laughs> I don't I'm not sure why they uh then later seem to attack together. I this if, is it, right? <laughs> I'm gonna read my note verbatim because it's too right. good not to. Okay. This is what I thought this is what I was guessing the plan was. Are they all gonna put a dagger in him as if he's pop up pirate? <laughs> I have to admit that and then a... Damien just jumps out of a barrel. Yeah. I have to admit that I did wonder, is one knife enough? It's that unclear, seemed unclear it? to me, yeah. 
It's it's it's. I tell you what's unclear. It's unclear if you need all the knives in him to kill him. Right. Or exactly. You just you need seven or eight tries. To yeah. Kill him exactly. With the one knife. So that's that's exactly what I kept wondering was: Do you have to have all of them in him, or is he so wily? Is he so good? Yeah. At uh, making you think one thing and having another thing happen that you just have backup knives. Yeah. And, you and gotta, backup you know, assassins. And backup assassins, exactly. <laughs> so none of this none of this is clear. Nope. And again, I feel like it I I don't feel like it's asking too much of the screenplay to clarify some of this. I know. Given how given how important this is to the whole film. <laughs> Why do I like it so much, though? I still... It's okay to like it. There's still it's, something, even within yeah. that, that I kind of find delightful. Because by the end of the movie, you you get the answer. Do you? Yeah, one's enough. Yeah, but I have to admit, enough. I was surprised. <laughs> well, this is... But also, what we were talking about earlier with it, like, who, who knows... Damien's the Antichrist, and what? How do they feel about it? That is also answered, mm-hmm. right? Just by just just by the progression of the story, because it's sure, right, 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 right. Well, I guess his number two is on board then, because he's he's helping him do Antichrist things. Yeah, through the course <laughs> of the movie. So it's not that these questions aren't answered; it's just that they're not established. I'd like to see that at the interview for the number two. Listen. Yeah. We're trying to feed the population through these poisoned pellets and crops. Yeah. Uh, you're really going to have to help me out with that. Also, little bit of news. I'm the Antichrist. <laughs> I'm going to need your help with this, this, and that. Yeah. So are you on board or not? Yeah, exactly. How much vacation time? <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'm there. I'm working for Satan, but the benefits are great. <laughs> the benefits are amazing. You know what they say? The devil has all the best benefits. <laughs> all the best music, all the best benefits. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, um so next the next I have is uh Kate Reynolds. Mhm. Who works for quote British Television. Yeah, right. <laughs> And it's really clear that they're trying to describe what British television is like without using any names, nicknames, <laughs> without saying the BBC. Because they couldn't? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's what I wondered. Like, I, were they just not yeah, allowed? I, I think that must be it because, you know, I think I think Kate Reynolds is based on... I don't know who exactly, but she I think she's based on a real British TV journalist or oh, okay. a kind of British TV journalist that was around the time. But every time they are asked to describe it, they get very vague. Mm-hmm. And I think they even end up comparing her to an American newscaster, right? They compare her to... Do they? Uh, Barbara Walters or someone maybe. like that. Maybe. Um, I don't specifically remember that. Maybe but... that's the transnational part of it, right? The, the sort of like... We've got to describe American te- British television in a way that Americans can understand. Yeah. So no, no specifics. <laughs> well, and so I mean, they're at the party, and so and then Damien mm-hmm. himself is going to meet her and her son. Yeah. Right. 
I think so well, this, we're the, not there yeah, yet, the, so I'll think I'll, I'll save it. But well, no, the the film the film is laying the groundwork to make yeah, this right. Damien three, son of Damien. Yeah, right. Omen three, Omen three son of Damien, mm-hmm. which would have been a but I find good title. I, you know that's one of the things that I find interesting about this movie, which has the final conflict in it, and they're doing yeah. shit in this movie that obviously seems. To lend itself towards another movie, and of course, it, one doesn't come out for another decade. But well, I and I don't know if they're necessarily as committed to that as as you would expect them to be. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later because much okay. later on in the film. Right. But I, I feel like they're not leaning into. They definitely do things in the movie to open the door for another film. Yeah, absolutely. But they don't lean into them in the way that you expect them to. I think they do in one, but but we'll keep. Okay, it. okay. Maybe you spotted something I didn't. Um, well, I tell you what. Why don't we take a break? And yeah, we're off to a the good next start. Thing I have, we're, and then we'll talk about Hyde Park. Okay, yeah. And uh, the very real phenomenon of crazy people standing on a corner of Hyde Park and shouting shit, which is <laughs> you just would what know. Happens there. You no, would know better I mean, than me. Is, yeah, no, it really happens exactly as it's shown in this film. Yeah. All right. I'll be. We'll be right back right after this. So will I. <laughs> Sorry. Was that your way of firing me? I don't know. I'll be right back after this. I'll be right back. I almost, not almost. I I said it. I quickly, <laughs> quickly re- adjusted. I love you, Tom. If I if I don't come back, then you know what happened. <laughs> Cube omen omen music. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing... Whether it's Speaker's Corner or Speech Alley, well, I don't think that's that's a I don't think that's a topic of debate. It's uh, the place <laughs> which uh, Kate and Damien walk past, where the uh, religious zealot is shouting 
is called Speaker's Corner, and it's in Hyde Speaker's Park. Speaker's Corner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this all, of course... Speed Kelly's a pretty good guess <laughs> of what it might be called. And it's a very real phenomenon. Yeah, right. All of this, ladies and gentlemen, of course, taking place in Omen 3, The Final Conflict. The not final conflict. It's nice to be able to have a subject I can speak with authority on on the show. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you'd know. And, uh, but I was going to say, because I've been there, but I was thinking about when I'd been there, and it was for a Bruce Springsteen concert. So maybe that's not quite as indigenous <laughs> it should, as it should be. There you go. That's fantastic. Yeah, he broke curfew, I remember. He, oh. Uh, yeah, he played. It was the night after he played like an, like an half an hour longer than he was allowed to. And he did the same again pretty much that night. And what's he get a fine? I guess so. Yeah. What happens? Uh, well, he even made reference to it. Um, he leaned into the mic with Stevie Van Zandt and said, "Are we gonna make it? Are we gonna make curfew?" <laughs> and Stevie Van Zandt's like, "Nah, don't think so. Nah, nah. <laughs> don't think so." <laughs> That's great. Oh, Silvio. So, what do you think of that scene in particular, though? I have, the... tho- I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. It's such a boomer point of view to make it seem as though like uh, oh no, that's, hang on. No, no, f- ignore that. Okay. <laughs> ignore that. <laughs> the biggest problem I have with it is that the guy who's clearly a religious extremist spouting nonsense turns out to be an agent of good. Right. And everything yeah. he's saying is true. That's it's a big exactly. Problem. That's what I mean. That it's everything yeah. he's saying is completely accurate. And also, they're lumping in people who are campaigning for more funding for theater with these yeah. religious nuts. I'm like, that's no, true. it's not the same thing. Okay, <laughs> one is a valid point of view. The other is extremist nonsense. But I also, I kind of, I kind of like that moment of with Sam Neill as he's walking along and they have that sort of tracking shot where they're yeah. following him down the street and then they, they cut to the opposite view of the zealot and you have that look on Sam Neill's face. It's like, hey, this guy's getting up into my shit right here. You it's know? kind of like a it's kind of like a less funny version of the of the weekly world news idea of men in black, right? The idea that the Right, the real news is being covered by this institution that we only know as fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great use of of like local color, right? You're in London. This is something that is very specific to London, right? And it's a so it's a really good way of exploiting the location by uh, you know by thinking it's like well. Where would you find someone standing on a corner shouting about spouting nonsense? Yeah, spout, shouting about Christ right here. Let's do it. Um, so I like it from that point of view. I just don't like the tone of it. But <laughs> this is really well, the what? Nadir. I mean, this what's is, well, so bothersome just because he turns out well, to be right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the like point. Should, it's almost a joke, isn't it? We shouldn't be endorsing the. Well, that's what I mean. Like it spills over into the weekly world news thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. But <laughs> I just don't think we should be endorsing the point of view of these people. Yeah. That's all. 
and lumping and then, them in with people, lumping them in with genuine activists. <laughs> so, and there's a, I, there's an interesting moment during that scene too, because one of the priests thinks about killing him right there and then, but yeah. stops. And and according to the end of this film, that would have been enough to finish him off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At this point, I'm still thinking, well, he doesn't have the other seven months. That's with him, exactly. So. <laughs> I was He's like, like, God, if I only thought, we were all I thought, here. I thought, well, it's just me by myself, and yeah. I don't have enough knives <laughs> <laughs> to make him pop out of that barrel. But I'll give the I'll give the movie this because the very next scene is the actual murder attempt at the talk show, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it seems the, um... like it's just the one guy there, so maybe the movie's overtly tell that's uh, that's what I yeah. found interesting about the previous scene. Thinking, once we got to the end of the film, I thought, well, well that guy could have got him right there. What yeah. stopped him from doing that? Was that like? Somebody else would catch me. Somebody, something like you know, was it yeah. self? You know, trying to save you've himself. Got to, you've got to imagine what was going on. A, you've got to imagine this is a suicide mission, right? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, exactly. I but mean, this character know, chose not to do it in that stuff. moment. I don't know. So I thought something more interesting with the priest was going to happen later on, and it never came up. No, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, but you're right. It's it's in with the. My my note here is swinging fire monk. Um, yeah, this, right. It's this scene. I guess this is it. This is the point at which we realize it. It only takes one dagger. Mm-hmm. And after the conversation that he has with his with Dean, his right hand man, you're like, oh, I guess he's fine with working for the Antichrist. Right. Um. So it answers all our questions. But again. The film has not set it up. But it doesn't really give explanations. No, it doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. You know, explain it. You have to figure it out along the way. And you only realize by the end of the film what was going on. Um, What do you think of the swinging fire monk? I definitely think it's in the so elaborate. It's funny category of these acts of Satan. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. It's up there with the bill trapped under the ice. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I drew that same corollary. I thought... Because, I mean, everything gets so out of hand so quickly. Really does, yeah. You'd, you'd think that priest would be a little bit more nimble. <laughs> <laughs> for, you know, for, for an assassin. It's like uh, they sent then... the clumsiest guide to try and kill him first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's it's like it's like sports logic, isn't it? You 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 say you've got the people that you've hired to be your, you know, right? To to be your sort of like when you need to win the game, and then you've got <laughs> the people that you know you're just doing they're just just killing time up there on the on the baseball diamond, right? Right. When the game, you know, when the game, well, when certainly it's in little league, you know, you gotta you you send your worst player out to right field in little league. Okay. And hope and hope the ball doesn't go there. Oh. And I feel like that was this priest. I've thought definitely. You know, the rafters the rafters of the but talk then show it makes were sense. right field. But it makes sense that they're starting with him, right? I guess, yeah. Like they're send saving, our worst. When, send our know, worst cause... first, just yeah. to see, you know, maybe he gets lucky. <laughs> 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 
maybe, maybe Damien will accidentally walk into his knife at yes, some point. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to try to do it, Nigel? I figured at the at the at I figured at the, the TV interview, I'm going to get up in the rafters, <laughs> yeah. and you just see one priest lean to the other and like, we're fucked. I'm going to wait. Guy, terrible I'm going to wait until we're in a contained area with lots of electronics and people. Yes. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not I don't, I'm not sure I'm with you on your uh, detective work there. Um, the, the screenplay also makes the mistake of having Damien verbally recap the first two films. Yeah. Once he realizes that these monks are after him. And it reminds me why it's always better done visually. When you when you have to talk through this stuff, it really weighs the film down. Mm. Um. Yeah, that's all I have on that scene. And then, and then we have the Damien prayer to Satan, right? Right. Now, <laughs> I say I, w- I wish <laughs> wish I'd done more research into Satanism before recording these episodes, but <laughs> it isn't just. You're praying to a different god, right? If you're a Satanist, it isn't just like, do people even do people pray to Satan? I don't know. That's why I found the scene so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. I feel like I, I feel guess like more if, than anything. If you are I the anti-Christ, was... you are also anti-prayer. Is that too simplified? <laughs> Am I being right, too simplified, yeah. <laughs> or are they being too simplified? Maybe it's the idea that Satan's a fallen angel, so you can pray. There you go. You figured it out. We've done it, everyone. <laughs> Satanism 101. <laughs> that's, an, that's an elective. You, you, yes. you really, if you're going to take a Mike Chance class, you want the Reaganomics say... <laughs> class. You want the Reaganomics <laughs> class. But if you want a good elective, Satanism 101. Satanism 101. <laughs> figured it, it out you you come in you come into the room and it's like the first thing you need to know about <laughs> satanism is that it is not christianity right and you get like a standing ovation right there <laughs> i'll tell you though what i like about that scene is how fucking good sam neil is in it yeah and and all he's got is a statue of christ to act against and that's it <laughs> Is there somebody odd, else in the room, odd, though? It's odd, though, isn't it? It's a very odd scene. Yeah, no, it is. It's completely odd. Because the, he's sort of is, like... Is there a kid in there with him? Is her kid in there with him? Or is it just him? Just him, I think. Okay. At this point. I mean, I think the kid's around. Because it's sort of like... The fact that he's acting against the statue... Mm-hmm. kind of makes it both intimate and alienating at the same time. Yeah, right. Because there's moments where he's sort of engaging with the statue as if it's as if it's real. And then there's other moments where he's just it's just a statue. It's just sitting there. It's just there. bright. It's just wood. <laughs> it's just wood. So it doesn't feel like it's a fair fight, right? I feel like we should have some personification of Christ, which I mean, we do he does... late, later on in the film, the baby. Yeah, um, but the 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 statue actually cries at the end of the speech. There's a tear running <laughs> another, down. Another, his... <laughs> another Planet of the Apes crossover. There you go. <laughs> These are, it's the same series. 
Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, it's it's. What? Why isn't? Well, I guess the I guess the monks are the personification. Mm-hmm. Right. The deity doesn't. Are the. Is is Christ on Earth? Yeah. And that guy in Hyde Park. Sure. I gotta say again, I'm with Damien. <laughs> You ask me who I want to side with, Sam Neill doing great acting work, or this, yeah, this fucking exactly. mess. Don't show uh, me a don't just show me a kook for the other side. And and then shortly after, speaking about there being no contradiction between faith and science, the next scene is straight out of two thousand and one. Or 2010, let's face it. We're closer in history. Are we talking about the star alignment news? The star collision, yeah. Being bad for Damien? Right, the star is sort of like... It it turns into... <laughs> you know what's funny? Wait, what? I gotta tell you this. Yeah. Because I looked at my next note after the star alignment news, and it is, whose side are we on? We're yes. always following Damien. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, I think... You're then, on his side, yeah, like he, you were saying, but I think the movie might be on his side as well. Well, we're following Damien as as the protagonist, right? Yeah, so exactly. Everyone who's fighting Damien is the antagonist. Mm-hmm. So the 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 monk, but the monks are the are, are the moral heroes of the film. Yeah, right. So it is com it is complicated. I guess that's just baked into to this. But I guess you know you've got to credit the film with the choice of making Damien the lead character. Because mm-hmm. there's another way they could have gone. They could have just kept him being a puppet of everyone else, right? Right, and right, right. The fact that he is he is the protagonist and he's an active protagonist is kind of a big swing, I think. I agree. There's I think it's one fil- of the things... There's that... not many films where the Antichrist is your yeah, hero. It's your hero. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that drew me to the to the movie itself. Because like you said, that's a pretty big swing. It's, I, I'm attracted to it as well, I think. Yeah. And I think. And I think the way in which Sam Neill plays Damien is very attractive. Yeah, right. And it has to be because he seduces everyone in the film to his way. Mm-hmm. And you have to buy it. He has to be someone that you feel like you would invest in. Sure, right. And I, I, I have no issue with that when he's playing the role. Okay. Um, But also, this is a key moment in the film because it's the first time... Like, if you think about it, and this is also weird, Damien's ascension to power has been a straight line. Yeah, right, right. There's re- Nothing has challenged. This is the first time he's ever been challenged. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. We're like in the third film. Know, no one's right. got this close before to to stopping him. Well, and also it because it's there's something interesting, I guess, in the idea of of uh, that it's a prophecy, right? You know that 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 this might be beyond his control. Yeah, absolutely. It's also in you know in terms that we will understand. This is his Rocky II moment, right? This yeah. is when he was beaten in the first film. Right. Now he's got the... So, well, now God is Rocky, basically, in this analogy. So yeah, God got right. beaten the first time round. And this is the rematch. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes Damien Apollo Creed, which I don't know if I'm comfortable saying out loud. 
Forget all that. Cut that We're going to get, you're going to get us sued, Tom. <laughs> I know. I just... <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you know, then in Omen, I guess, it, I guess it makes sense because Damien dies at the end of this movie in the same way Apollo Creed does at the beginning of Rocky Four. There you go. Uh, sequels are all interconnected, Tom. There's <laughs> the more we talk about them, the more we realize they're all living together. Um. So we after this, we go to the 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 moors, right? The the priests, the, yeah, yeah. Good use have... of the British landscape. They've got some great yeah. location shooting in this film. That sort of makes up for the cheapness of everything else, I think. Kind of reminds me of uh, American Werewolf. Yeah, America, absolutely. And Except they're of... showing more than American Werewolf does, you know? Yeah. But also, I don't know, there's something... I Well, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know why this, you know, the British landscape is such a good background for religious cinema. And I'm like, of course, of course I understand, because, you know... Christianity is whitewashed. It's westernized. Yeah, so right. That, that's that's why I think that. Um, so, <laughs> but something about like the mist on the moor feels like <laughs> religious cinema to me. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. And ditto when they're in space. Like part of part of it is space is like space fiction, and then the other part of the spectacle comes from the sort of the nativity aspects of it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of again faith and science are interchangeable in these films, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's just how they work. But one of the um, things that I find interesting, because you, I mean, for for starters, I think that this whole scene is shot really interestingly, because mm. you have the kind of you 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 realize that Damien's following. Is it one or two of the priests? I believe I think it's he's following two. one, but there's two others waiting right well i have questions about that as well okay. like why why the priests that survive don't understand the human shield trick but anyway go on no yeah that i mean that's one of my questions they and he is the antichrist they should know he'll he'll do whatever exactly they should know away. his chicanery like so, make real sure i never man. thought he'd go so far as sacrificing a child <laughs> But I like I like that there's that sort of it almost feels Scooby Doo you know it's like a murder mystery <laughs> like as he's following one of the priests and then he when he yeah. there's that sort of uh, not even a medium more of a long shot of seeing the priest go into this uh, whatever it is kind of abandoned or yeah ruins, ruins. yeah yeah Roman ruins and but like you said. I mean, what happens is Damien walks through the door, except it's not Damien. Mm-hmm. And he's he's pulled a fast one on them, and they end up stabbing their own friend. Yeah. But they seem to know so much about Damien, but apparently they didn't know just how, how tricky he can be. Yes, right. yes, exactly. Well, I had no idea he could make you look like someone else. Yeah. Well... We're on our we're, we're like we're on our second or third monk at this point, so we're still mm-hmm. de- right, we're, right. We're still dealing with the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> um, 
so and Damien's plan once he realizes that you know the second coming is coming right he's he's his plan becomes let's kill a child born at a, every child born at a certain time yeah right which again is sort of like he's imitating God right he's imitating, this is the God <laughs> sure killing the firstborn telling yeah. Abraham to kill his firstborn um except I guess he goes through with it he's the oh he does. So I suppose that's that's what makes him the anti the the antichrist is that he's sort of like <laughs> there's no point at which he goes no 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 I was only kidding yeah, right, I was only right, kidding right, right. <laughs> you're not really gonna do it are you? <laughs> um, but this is uh, I think maybe this is probably the part of the film that gets weighed down a little bit. What part are you talking about? The fox hunt? No, not the fox hunt, but this idea like you know time. Seems a little tricky in this moment because mm. we're seeing a lot of. Do, well, wait, do we see the fox hunt before we see the sort of repeated murder scenes of children? I think, according to my notes, the fox hunt happens first, soon after the first ruin, the first time that yeah, okay. the first setup that the that the monks don't learn for learn from. No, yeah, okay. The only thing I didn't like hunt. about the. The the fox hunt was how ill conceived. Again, these 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 priests are heroes, but they're a little bumbling because it's an ill conceived way to try to get them. It's way too elaborate, isn't it? Yeah. The, the plan is to shoot the fox and then lure Damien away from the hunt. Yeah. Why don't they just attack him? Again, <laughs> right. do these monks think they're coming back from this? Yeah. If you're face-to-face with Satan, you're going to die as a result of trying to kill him. Right. Again, I've taken your Satanism 101 class. I remember that. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that session. Um, yeah, it's all this kind of, like, these, uh, you know, this elaborate plan that seems destined to fail. Well, and they just... Because Damien's not just going to walk into it. No, of course not. But they get You've him trapped. Got a trap- better chance <laughs> just like throwing the knife at him while he's on his horse. Yeah, and I think it's funny too because they get him on this bridge and then they close off both ends of the bridge as though mm-hmm. that's it. We've got you. Yeah. And Damien, you know, it's almost as if Damien said, "Scoop of chocolate, scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time." Yeah. With how easily he dispatches with them. Yeah. Um, and yet, and on the whole, because they take a lot of time during this fox hunt scene. They do, and and I I I can't tell if because this is uh, this by the by the nineties, I'd say. Unless you were like a hardcore country person, mm-hmm. in Britain you were anti fox hunting. Oh, okay. In the early eighties, uh, yeah, because there was a ban on fox hunting. Which has since been overturned, but certainly in the late nineties, I think there was a ban on fox hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the early eighties, I just think they were like, "Okay, w- what's the most British thing we can do? Yeah. <laughs> we can have." And they went, "Fox hunt, great." Yes. <laughs> there was maybe a painting in the office of a fox hunt or something. Sure. By constable. Um, but what it does, whether it's 
deliberate or not is it associates fox hunting with evil, which makes sense to any animal lover. Sure. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's what we're going for. The analogy I think they're making is that the fox is Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's definitely there in that scene. Sure. He's the like the hunt. It's like a crucifixion scene, but the fox is Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I so forget. How... Those are my thoughts about fox hunting and the use of fox hunting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting because I, I guess when I... You're done with, when you're done with Professor Shantz's Reaganomics class, come to me come, on uh, come to Tom. The History of Fox Hunting. Yeah. The History of Fox Hunting, as, by, as seen by Tom, by Tom Stewart. How does he dispatch with these two priests, priests on the bridge? Does he send the horse at them or some other animals? Sidney, what do they do? Do they fall off the bridge? They fall off the, the like a viaduct, right? Which yeah. is also a it's also a kind of a a big flaw in their plan to confront him Yeah, that's what I on mean. On a structure of height. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like g- g- well, I don't know, but that's it. I don't understand this is the problem. I don't understand what these monks understand about their mission. Right. If I knew that, I feel like I would understand the stakes, right? <laughs> Because maybe what they're planning to do is, you know, shiv, shiv Damien with the MacGuffin knife and then mm-hmm. somersault backwards and kill themselves. Like, I don't know what yeah, right. their end game is. If I knew that, <laughs> I could understand what the stakes are in the scene. Yeah, I wish. I just wish that they, you know, you always see Damien, even when he has to fly by the seat of his pants it's like he's able to out he's able to think steps ahead that they weren't i want them to get if they're going to use the bridge i want them to get him on the bridge surround him on both ends and then have damien not realize that the guy was hanging off the bridge the whole time right where damien's standing and stands up and stabs him granted that would be the end of your movie but (laughs) well they also (laughs) never have the conversation of by doing this, we become murderers on foreign soil. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that would suggest like that they'd immediately kill themselves as soon as they've done this. Mm. Otherwise, they would be in prison for the rest of their lives. Sure, because they just murdered a guy. Straight up murdered someone. I don't yeah, know. I don't think. Th- I, I, I don't think. Know. I think we're spending more time thinking about this than anyone who wrote this film. I know. Did. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but I gotta say, it's it's confusing. It is. It is it a little. A it's watch. it's a bit confusing. I have to admit. Um, what isn't con- well? I'm also confused about Kate's relationship with her son. Well. I tell you what, why don't we take a break? Well, let me then... just say this is part of my confusion comes from the fox hunt, so I'll I'll draw okay. a line under this and then we can talk about it more. So Kate's fine letting her son be part of a fox hunt. But she draws the line when Damien lets lets uh, him cover his face in blood. With the blood, yeah. Isn't that part and parcel of hunting a fox? Apparently. <laughs> I'm not sure if I knew that but until... Why would you object to one and not the other? 
Right. It's like, yeah, you're hunting down a fucking animal on horseback with dogs. Blood is involved. Sure. But apparently this is some sort of ritual, the smearing of the blood on the face. Yeah, no, I mean, my only, I, I mean, I assume so. I don't know, despite, you know, my uh, class, I don't know the finer points of um, <laughs> of fox hunting rituals. But but she, why does she Get object? Get shit like, together. But, like, why would you let your kid be part of a fox hunt and then and then suddenly turn around and say, and, and seem disgusted when he comes back with his face covered in blood? Yeah. You know? I wanted him to kill the fox. I didn't want him to bathe in his blood. That's gross. I wanted him to watch other people kill the fox at a safe distance. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah, like, I mean, let's take a break and then we'll come back because I I do want to get into the idea of this relationship between the child that sort of, it's like a weird love triangle in this movie. Yes. You know? All right. Let's get into it when we come back. Right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are finishing up with Omen 3, The Final Conflict, the 1981 film directed by the director of Alien Nation and nothing else. <laughs> Except Directed episodes of the Sweeney. That means <laughs> something to me. Okay. <laughs> and his name is Graham Baker. I think I'm Mandela affected. I thought maybe we had another switcheroo where we started with one director and finished with another one in this film, but that's not true, right? True of the next film. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, that's <clears throat> what it is. Which means two out of the three. Two out of the doing. three sequels. <laughs> contested authorship. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to get into that one. Yeah. Friend, f- fans of Halloween 5, stay tuned. We're meeting an old friend. <laughs> when last we left, you left us, Damien was throwing people off of... A viaduct, I believe. Yeah, viaducts. Having them fall to their deaths from high atop the viaduct. Mm-hmm. And then he bloods the boy, 
And so when we were going out, I was talking about, I mean, we, we don't, you know, you get the, you always have the sense that Damien is trying to lure this boy into his, like, <laughs> to put him on the payroll. Yeah, definitely. And you don't get it really in earnest until later with the old switcheroo, mm. or like where the, you, you see the kid following his number two. Yeah. Right. Which I think is fantastic. But there's never... I'm trying to remember if there's any play about the mom. I mean, other than this, the blood, there's mm-hmm. never really a sense of her wondering if they're getting too close too fast or... I thought that was like something they missed in this movie that could have been interesting. Definitely. Yeah. I think the whole the whole character of Kate Reynolds is sort of underdeveloped. Yeah. Like she's I might she's, have to agree with that. Su- given again and it's like given that she's such a it's like with the monks. She's such a big part of this movie. She's going to deliver deliver right. the final death the blow. The blow, yeah. And it doesn't feel like she's an important enough character the way she's been presented to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And now is the moment where we're showing lots of baby deaths. Well, like, we've got the Satanist meeting beforehand. I was just going to say that we have the disciple speech. Which is, I mean, you know, we've only seen one or two followers on screen at the same time by this point. In any of the so movies. this is really... In any of the movies, so this yeah. is really up in the ante. Right. I feel like this is really delivering on the promise of the last two films. Is this kind of this global network of Satanist followers? Yeah, and I agree with that. In camera, on the in the yeah. same place. It also vaguely reminded me of the movie Dragnet. <laughs> go on when they when they when they go to the the Satanist. Just the facts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they go they go to the park or, you know, this abandoned zoo or whatever it is and there's mm-hmm. all those people in goat leggings there. Yeah. And they thought and it's just that idea of like this is a fuck ton of people. Yeah. And obviously And also, you know, people people from all walks of life as well. Yeah, that, that's scout, the thing that priest. I found interesting. Yeah. It's is a sort of eerie sense of the devil is among us, mm-hmm. uh, and all in camera at the same time, which is like, yeah, wow. Um, so <clears throat> I think that pays off that moment. Yeah, I do too. You know, usually in a movie like this, you have it's the quiet moments and it's the whatever it is. It's the one person with the monster or the ghost mm-hmm. or the Satan behind the door. Mm-hmm. that you're worried about. But in this, like you said, showing in camera with all the people, that's that was mm-hmm. deeply unsettling. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. To think you the... couldn't walk five steps without somebody working against you in all exactly. walks of your life. I thought that exactly. was a really cool idea. That is a really cool idea, and I guess I guess it gives credence to them not even establishing that Dean is a Satanist. It's just like... Well, yeah, every third person you meet is yeah, right. Knows no is part of this satanic cult, so it's not even worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so that added up. That added up, and then 
this is what I was referring to earlier, where you're trying to show a lot of baby deaths at once. So you, I mean, you get what his plan is, but I'm yes. having a hard time following how much time this is all taking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and quite how many babies he's targeting. Exactly, because it would seem like it would have to be a lot. A t- yeah, fuck ton. Yeah. Um, and you kind of get the well. sense of that with news reports saying there's an awful lot of baby deaths going on. <laughs> but it, just like that, yeah. right? That, that was a breaking news, awful lot of baby deaths. But it, it just feels like there should be a, a bigger panic within London. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And it reminds me like how how rare it is to see babies being killed on film. Yeah, right. Even in a horror film. Like, normally when a baby is in danger in a film, they don't it's actually a fake out. to harm. Yeah. Yeah. The Untouchables, French, Conne- uh, French Connection. These recent Halloween movies did it. Yeah. Um, like, when, you, when a stroller goes out of control, normally <laughs> Ghostbusters 2, everything mm-hmm. turns out all right in Speed. the end. But here it doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> These no, babies it's, are getting knocked It's the up. total fucking opposite. So even in terms of horror films, this is a big swing. Yeah, right. It's like... The, Again, it's like, like the, tick in the plus column, though. It's one of the things yeah. I like about this movie. Yeah. I, it's like, you know, with, with t- you know, no one cares, you know, in the modern audiences care more about animals dying than humans, so... It's as if we were like slaughtering a dog. Mm-hmm. We had a dog slaughter montage in in a horror film or something. Right. It's the same thing. And then there's a couple uh, of things. Well, sorry, go ahead. No, no, carry on. I was just gonna say there's a couple of things that happen in succession. Mm-hmm. That I find that are certainly very interesting, but because we're towards the end of the film. <laughs> It's hard for them to play out completely. It's so... Yeah, we have these scenes. There's so much information to get through. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you have... One, you have that the second-in-command is... He has had a child born and is one of these babies. And well, he's it is. Lying... It's the second coming. Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. That one is the real second coming. That's the coming, actual right? real second coming. Yeah. Except he's lied to Damien... And he uh-huh. said he was born out of the out of the time by right. what two minutes or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of it, you have this moment in which Kate Reynolds, the reporter, is is drowning. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that Damien was gonna let her drown. Because yeah. then he has the well, child to himself, probably, but he saves her. Yeah, and what's interesting about that scene, though both those scenes you're talking about, um, cast members from Superman 2, and also whole set pieces from Superman 2. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just like the Niagara Falls uh, yeah. scene where Clark has to fake not saving Lois. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, exactly the same here. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, uh, Dean is married to one of the Daily Planet reporters. Is that right? All right. 
Yeah, the the woman with yeah the woman he's married to is the one who, uh, the the Daily Planet reporter who's like got the hots for General Zod. That Lois pushes out of the window. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. <clears throat> um, but yeah. It's, but anyway, it's... I mean, since we're towards the end of the film, it doesn't seem like. It's not deeply unsatisfying, but it seems like there could have been more drawn out for these two things, especially the saving. Does, does that also? Yeah, because she doesn't even also... seem to question like because there's those great shots of her underwater and it just looks like mm-hmm. Damien's up on top watching her. Yeah. Die. And the next thing you know, he she he's saying, you know, so there's not even a conversation of what were you doing? What's happening? Like, why? Why'd you wait yeah. so long? I saw you just standing there looking at me. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got and and you know, we've got to have we have conservatively two scenes where DiCarlo is trying to convince Kate that Damien is the Antichrist. Right, yeah. And they're exactly the same scene. Yeah. Um and his English is not great. So Right, yeah. <laughs> It's it's those scenes are hard work for a mm-hmm. number of reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's uh, it's interesting. Um, now he's from because we see him in other seek in other Omen movies, right? Is he in the first one? Well, you've seen it more recently than I have. Um, I think so. He's def uh, the character. I don't know about the actor. Let me. Yeah, that might be different. I'm looking it up in real time. So, okay. So vamp for me. At any I'm rate, go through a lot of Italian films before I find out <laughs> that this guy was it was in the Omen or not. Carry on. It doesn't look like he is. I'm looking too. I suppose this only one thing, of us should right? be looking, but. The fact that you don't remember that and have seen it so recently makes me think that. Yeah. Maybe the character is, but not the actor. <clears throat> if so, I think they should have gone with someone with a less heavy accent. But, um, yeah, hmm. it's um, and this is where, as you said before, that they make they they have uh, the boy Kate's son tailing the priest, tailing the priest, yeah, working for working for Damien. Mm-hmm doing the devil's work quite literally yeah. <laughs> um oh this is and, and then this is the, the i guess the the what will turn out to be the key scene for this film but it doesn't feel like it at the time the the sex scene rape rape sex question mark yeah scene um so it's a difficult scene to watch right very because she says, please don't stop. And yet she's clearly still being raped. Yeah. And yet none of that, all of that is, that's the most important part of this scene. It's like, what, what is actually happening? Is it rape? Is it sex? Mm-hmm. But all you can think about is, are they leaving the door open for a sequel? Which yes, exactly. Which makes me feel like and a terrible what, human being. That's what I was referring. Because that shouldn't even be on my mind. I know. That's what I was referring to earlier, though, is that. For a movie that calls itself the final conflict, I'm like, this is the obvious door you're trying to, you know, open for another film. Because this, 
This woman seems to be being taken by force. Yeah. And yet is for some reason into it. So that's mm-hmm. odd. And now, remember, historically, we're very close to 1982. So I know. That that's true. Concern. But um, not that that lets us off the hook, but it's, let's put it in context. I, I, it's like I can't give the movie a break for any of that, but no. there's. Well, with, using it as a within plot, it, it feels it as, as though it feels as though it yeah right, but it also feels that within it that 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 the movie is trying to show. Like we said, we've been wa- we've been following Damien the whole time, mm-hmm. and he's been using his powers to say look like someone else and make this happen and make that happen, and it feels yeah. as though he's using his powers to make this happen and mm-hmm. that felt very insidious right and so in that way it to me it's the turn of the movie where we stop following Damien and start following mom but we never return the, the thing that baffles me is that we never return to this as a plot point no yeah that's true and it, that if if they if they if this was them opening the door, leaving the door ajar for a sequel, why they don't refer back to it at the end of the film? Yeah. Because I want to know what's on her mind. Well, I mean, you know, it's crying. It's frankly crying out for a post-credit scene of her cradling her stomach, which right. we don't get. Yeah. And. I don't know. I, it feels weird to be, I guess, asking a movie to be worse in the way it's doing something. Right. But because, again, it feels like it feels like this is not by design. It feels like the film has just left out a bit of writing, mm-hmm. where we we're clear that this is what they were doing, and that it's not just a weird early nineteen eighties rape sex scene. Right. Um, and it's horrible. Like straight afterwards, that like they're obviously like they're um, fetishizing her nudity. Yeah, of course. And she's and then she's also covered in bruises. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like this at all. Like, be clear, be clear about what you're showing. Right. Um. So the scene kind of works at cross purposes, and so I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable with it. And. But, yeah, you can't not see it as the way in which the series carries on after this. Yeah, of course. But even the next film doesn't acknowledge that till about ten minutes before well, the end, so it's bizarre. And, and I, that's, I mean, we'll get there when we get there with the next yeah. film, but I, I couldn't believe how much that was a question mark in that film for so long. Yeah, yeah. And it, it speaks to how even in this film they seem to have forgotten that they did that. Yeah, right. Also, there's a thing in really more so in the first movie and this movie. I don't think anybody ever really considers as a, as a plot point, as a story point, how difficult it is to cut enough hair off of somebody's head to see a 666 there without them, mm. say, waking up. While you're doing it, <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> again, dancing around this idea of how easy it is to prove Damien is 
the Antichrist. Yeah. They got to throw. Uh, they got to throw obstacles in the way. Because mm-hmm. um, you do have that one. Is... Well, go ahead. Well, uh, Jesus is born, which yeah. feels like it should be more significant than it is. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like just <laughs> yes. part and parcel of this movie. It feels like this is the the moment of the movie, but <laughs> no, not in this movie. Not so much. Uh, Papier-mâché baby was creepy in a cheap way, mm-hmm. but kind of reminds you how much the effects suffer. Well, um, I love the iron in the face. That's my favorite. Yeah. That feels like something out of the original couple of movies. You know, yeah. something. Um, and the director loves his silhouettes. Big time. It, the Antichrist needs to get his own book of worship, I think. Because <laughs> all he does is knock off Chris, Christianity's teachings. Right. This is, again, I don't know if this is what sa- Satanism has its book or is the Necromonicon, is that a thing? Or a, I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, we'll do some research into that, I suppose. But get your own um, book. <laughs> get, get your own, Satan, get your own book. Uh, but then yeah, all of a sudden it becomes like Taken. Becomes like what? Like Taken, you know, the son, the son is Taken. Mom yeah. wants him back. She doesn't really have a particular set of skills. But the no. priests, we still got one priest with no. a knife. <laughs> I don't know if the priests necessarily do either, no. based on previous experience. I just, I just wrote up. I just wrote another priest fails again. <laughs> yeah, and this is just like, why wouldn't they have learned from last time? Yeah, it's exactly the same scenario. Right. <laughs> and then just weird that of all people, like the person who delivers the death blow, is a TV journalist. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't add up like it. No. Yeah. Uh, it's like, this couldn't have been part of the prophecy <laughs> <laughs> that a journalist of a relatively new technological medium would eventually kill, kills the Antichrist. Satan's son. Yeah. And it feels like, yeah, well, that's just, who's there. Right. <laughs> it's just yeah, that exactly. simple. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, right. It's like, she's there. So she can be the one who stabs him. And then, you know, like the the last few minutes of the film are just full on religious cinema. Oh, I mean, uh, the white light, the the Bible verses, the heavenly choir. Yep. Um, Jesus basically appears. There's also that moment when she first stabs him where I Mm. I wrote down, oh, my God, did it not take? Didn't. Was I wrong? Do you need more than one knife? I thought it didn't work for a second. <laughs> it did not take. <laughs> That's the problem with those MacGuffin knives. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they just they don't just take. don't take all the time. Yeah. And to so part of this is obviously like, you know, the showing that good has triumphed over evil. Mm-hmm. But it also takes away the nasty taste of the fact that Kate had to sacrifice her only child. Yeah, right. Happen. Um, it's like, just put some more Bible verses out there so people forget what actually happens yeah, in the exactly. Because it's pretty nasty. And don't worry, <laughs> she's probably got another baby on the way. 
but might be Satan. Yeah, but we've, we, we there's no indication of that. Yet. No, it's we're not going to tell you that. Yeah, um, and that you know that's where it gets kind of you know. But I don't you know remember that that you remember that hard sex scene, right? Oh, it's like it's like <laughs> that's what the movie is doing. I don't like. I don't know why. I don't know if the movie's supposed to be offering a confusing message about Christianity, mm-hmm. but like. Damien, within the frame of the film, is going around killing babies. And in order for him to be defeated, right. they have to kill an un- like a mother has to give up her baby. Yeah. So, doesn't necessarily feel like the problem and the solution are that different. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, e- even the heroes have to kill a baby. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is very Old Testament. Um, for for a feel, yeah, and it, so it's it again, and it's strange that this sort of carries us into the end of the movie mm-hmm. without any kind of like even that you would expect in a horror film, any kind of like pushback that that this didn't quite like you say this didn't quite take, yeah, right, like there's none of that, no. And I guess that's their way of saying it's over. There's yeah, no, but yeah, and part of like it Ferris to me, Ferris Bueller getting up, getting right. out of bed, and coming dressing the camera. Mm-hmm. But part of it to me too is like you said, it it it, it focuses its direction somewhere else on the on the religion, with the bright yeah. white lights and the you know like this movie seems to have a, a different agenda at the at the very end. I, I agree, but and, it was surprising I'm, to by me. By the way, I'm it not. Was... I'm not saying that the birth of Jesus is is an insignificant plot point. Right. I'm not saying that. Yes. I'm just saying that it ceases. To, I think the same thing that you're saying it ceases to be a horror film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At this point, and it, it's just given over to you know something that you you know you would play in the background of a mega church, but on a video screen for some reason, and I you know. That there was there was something within that, like the overtness of it, that yeah. made me stand up and take notice, and th- and I thought it was interesting. I have to admit, I thought it was interesting. It it left me on a note of, I I didn't think that a third movie in a series that was supposed to be the end mm-hmm. uh, was gonna do that. And no, so definitely not. So comes out of left field. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it it was not an uh, it wasn't unpleasant for me. It actually lifted the movie for me. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because this movie worked against my expectations a lot, and that I liked. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that statement. Well, anything left? Just a credit check. All right. Um. Dialogue coach. <laughs> this guy had his work cut out for him. <laughs> we need to make Sam Neill sound less Australian. We need to help Americans be British or British be American. <laughs> and we got to deal with this Italian guy. Right. <laughs> whose English cannot be heard through his accent. He's working. Um, dogs owned and trained by... This is an unusually specific credit, which 
makes me think there's some dispute over who owns the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy's walking onto set going, if anyone asks, I own these dogs as well. I don't just train them, okay? <laughs> All right, we didn't, we didn't ask. We didn't okay. speculate. Make sure that's in the credits. I own them as well as training them. <laughs> all right all right um, fine yeah okay 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 we, 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 no what are you gonna put in the credits write it down owned and trained by okay okay leave me alone i've only directed an episode of the sweeney i don't know what i'm doing um they credit the national coal board which means that the opening of the film actually takes place in a coal mine Oh yeah, like a working coal mine, which is great. I just I was very impressed that the location stuff in this film they make real. I mean they go. They do make you yeah right. Yeah, because the, the all the stuff with the ruins is in the Yorkshire Moors. They film stuff in Cornwall. They've obviously gone into a working coal mine at some point. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a British film, right? I mean, yeah. it's like it's like the super it's like the Supermans. They're sort of British films in disguise. I think they got a lot out of five million dollars for a budget. Yeah, yeah. Or at, le- at the very least, they kind of shifted into areas where it can still look quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's that final musical sting in lieu of actual horror. Right. But this is where you need the the shot of of. Uh, Kate Reynolds holding her stomach. Yeah, right. And I'm just, I'm so surprised. Like you say, I think the agenda is different, right? Mm-hmm. But for the end of the movie. But if you're going to do that final musical sting, I don't know. That implies that the devil could make a comeback. Right. But there's no, there's no, just narratively, the film is not giving us any reason to think that's the case. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's it. That's, That's all it. All right. Yep. Well, once again, we've done it. Yeah. Omen 3, The Final Conflict, is in the books. Mm-hmm. The good books. The good books. <laughs> Nicely played. <laughs> and I think these movies uh, deserve more credit than they have have received. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think... I think you can you like the, with the Planet of the Apes series, you you can tell a lot about how sequels ended up by watching these early early film series. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of the they lay a lot of the groundwork for what for what you get now almost as an afterthought. Yeah, right. All right, and they're interesting films in their own right. I mean, look at the conversations we've had about this. <laughs> about this film right they've got a lot to say and a lot to a lot to convey i don't disagree Mm -hmm. all right well that's it ladies and gentlemen we've got omen we've got uh (laughs) we've got omen three this is all final conflict in the books this is what that's where this is where i say james bond you're, you're reading the wrong page of the script here, Mike. Carry on, carry on. Next, we'll be talking Omen 4, The Awakening. Please, stay tuned and look forward to that, friends. Yeah, that's going to be a fun ride. Oh, man. Good times.
norm, norm, normally where I write like budget and how much money the movie made, I just wrote TV movie. Yes. <laughs> it's a catch-all term. <laughs> All right. And then you add Canadian to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to cover any pre No, <laughs> any, yeah. <laughs> any production knowledge. Nope. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, look forward to that. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Like we said, Omen 4, The Awakening, next. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Nazarene, you have won. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> this movie isn't I'm... the final. Everything <laughs> happening in this movie is geared towards something else. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm reading this quote off IMDb because I forgot to find the quote. Uh-huh. And uh says, five out of five found this interesting. <laughs> and then that's true of all the other quotes except... Sam Neill's, well, Damien's speech where he's with the statue of Christ. Hmm. Only 9 out of 10 found that interesting. It's like that 10th dentist. Yeah, but I'm also, I'm thinking, like, is that is that because someone was, somebody who was religious was offended by it? Right. Or is that like someone going, too many words! <laughs> too many words! <laughs> Can't stop! Read. Stop saying Nazarene. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? What is that? <laughs> All right, that's it. Until next time. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you.